Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Necessary Blackness Podcast is independently owned and we do not accept sponsorship dollars from corporations. We are supported by the people such as yourself who know that in war, the first casualty is the truth. We are at war with racism and white supremacy. We must continue to tell the truth. Support us by purchasing your Necessary Blackness t-shirt by sending an email to NecessaryBlacknessPodcast at gmail.com. No, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. (laughs) Now, our featured presentation. Peace and Black Power family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and I am here with my co-host, Marcy Lee. And today we have a very special guest that is going to join us for this episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And she is the aunt of the 18-year-old student that received 45 years for standing his ground. This young man was at a frat party when he got involved in an altercation with three white individuals. And the end result was he had to defend himself. And he received the unjust sentence of 45 years. We're going to talk to that aunt in a few minutes. She is going to call in. Marcy Lee, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. How are you? I am doing good. And it seems like she is on the line. Let's see. Hello? Hello? Hi. Welcome to Necessary Blackness Podcast. How are you doing? Doing good. And how are you? Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it's our pleasure. How are you doing? We're doing good today. Now, me and you have talked offline. Um, I got wind of your story after I seen a post. I was very disheartened by this post because I couldn't believe. Then again, I can believe knowing that we live in the United States of America and more so that this incident happened in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And Virginia is a very peculiar state. Now, I want you to start off and tell us about your nephew, Elijah Nichols, and your relationship with him. Yes, sir. Well, Elijah, he's my middle nephew. Um, he's now 19 years old. He is a father of a one-year-old son. Um, he graduated um, from Winslow High School in 2017. He graduated with honors. Um, he was the captain of the basketball team. Everything, basically, you know it. Um, the way Elijah was raised, is it was always instilled in us to go to college and to make something of yourself because for us being people of color, is always harder. So Elijah, being that he was a teen father, he didn't allow that to hold him back from going to college. So that's Elijah's story so far. Can you real briefly give us the backdrop on the case? Walk us through the story of what happened that evening. Okay. Well, we are in the process of going through an appeal, so of course I can't go over everything, but what I have released so far, um, Elijah, he has given me permission to go ahead and speak on his story. You know, Elijah, on that day, he was studying. He had a test the next day, so he just decided to take a break from, you know, studying. And so he decided to go to a fraternity party with some friends. And when he went, 
which is an open fraternity party to any of the um, the students on campus. So when he went, he um, seen things in the party, like as far as there were um, the brothers from the fraternity that had a desk set up. They were serving, you know, alcohol, liquor. I'm sure if anyone's familiar with, like, fraternity parties or even seen things on TV, it's the same way. Mm-hmm. And so Elijah, um, he... He had asked permission. He seen other people in there, you know, smoking marijuana, doing other things, drinking and everything. And he doesn't drink. So he asked if it was okay if he were to roll a joint. And so they told him yes. And they told him to go into another room to do so. And so he went into the other room as he was advised. So he went into the other room. He seen um, two guys and a girl. And he seen some white substance on the counter. So once he seen that, that's when he started backing out to leave because he realized, you know, I ain't supposed to be in here. And then at that time, this when he's being attacked, um, he's asked to leave. As he's trying to leave, he's more so helped to leave. He's grabbed up off of his feet in a chokehold to where he wasn't able to breathe, wasn't able to scream. And in the midst of him being choked, he's being punched by another guy. So in the midst of this happening, this is when Elijah... He felt that he needed to protect himself because he wasn't able to do anything else. You know, if Elijah wouldn't have defended himself, you know, the posting that I would be making would be rest in peace posting, and we'd be mourning for him. So Elijah had a pocket knife on him. And here in, us, here in Virginia, a lot of people carry knives. The way we look at it is a tool. You use it to cut fruit, clean your fingernails, do all types of stuff, hunting and all that. So it's normal. So he pulled out his pocket knife and, um, he tried to defend himself from the vic- from the dude that was holding him. The guy, he didn't release his hold. He's still holding on to him and everything. And the guy finally released Elijah, and then another one attacked him. And so then as Elijah's trying to flee and trying to get away from them, he's tripped. As he's tripped, another guy's coming after him, and they're calling him niggers while he's down on the ground and everything and trying to get away. From Elijah's uh, perspective, why do you think, why does he think they targeted him? Why did they, you know, approach him in this manner? Did he give you any type of um, reasoning from his perspective? Well, I, we don't feel that the guys who actually attacked Elijah were racist or anything by far. We feel in the way that um, Elijah explained to us is, I think when he walked into that room, he seen something that he wasn't supposed to. Okay. That's what I thought. And, because and that, yeah. And once he's seen what he wasn't supposed to, that's when he's asked to leave. And so it wasn't about out. the marijuana or anything and stuff like that. He didn't even have a chance to, you know, even roll it or anything. You know, most people smoke weed and all this stuff. So it definitely wasn't that when you have others in there doing the same. So right. it was. It happened at that point where he walked into that room. The individual that uh, accosted him and that he was fighting with, he was the one that was using the N-word? The third one, when oh. he ran. Oh, okay, okay. When he so, tripped him. Yeah, it was the third one. There was uh, racial implications in this matter. Absolutely. Okay. Now, I wanted to ask you something, right? During yes, the court proceedings, um, what was the community support? You know, before we go there, I did want to say that I read that he wasn't able to tell his story in court. Is that true? It took two articles prior to Elijah's story. Elijah's article, when he was actually able to 
say his side, and he was only able to say so much, is because it was a sentencing hearing. He didn't go to a trial. And so on the December the 18th, the 2018 article, he's able to say part of his story. And so what was that proceeding? What was the purpose of that proceeding when he was able to speak? At this time, it was for him actually pleading to the judge in regards to his sentencing. Um, we didn't go to trial because if we wouldn't went to trial, if Elijah was not found um, not guilty on all three charges, Elijah would have been faced in life sentences. Mm. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come right back. So I want you to hold your thoughts. When we come back, you can finish with saying what you were saying, okay? Yes, sir. Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docuseries. This is Siraj, founder of the Man in the Mirror Project, hanging out with Raheem Shabazz, all the way from the UK, representing that Necessary Blackness podcast. Yo, what up? It is the Mohawk and Real Talk and Living Fully Businessfully, Dave Anderson of the Business Fully Podcast. You know me when you see me, you've heard me in these streets. If you haven't, that's just me breathing down your neck. You are listening to the Necessary Blackness podcast with my brother, my homeboy, my main number one cousin from another oven, my man Raheem Shabazz, man. Get in, get your mind right because it's necessary. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is the lowrider guru, Thomas T.J. Lofton from Compton, California. When I'm traveling around the world or I'm in the car, I got Necessary Blackness, the podcast on checking out my man, Ryan Shabazz. Peace. This is Zaza Ali. And when I am not studying the science of the universe and the laws of creation, I am listening to the big homie, Raheem Shabazz, on Necessary Blackness. Make sure you support. Peace. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor, and when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news, and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back, and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness Podcast. Stay tuned. This is a cool up cultivated roots media, and I choose to tune into Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. This is Shirley. When I'm not in the gym, I'm checking my son out on his podcast. Make sure you check out Raheem Shabazz. Yeah, this is Professor Ed Garns. When I am not spreading liberation theology throughout my classrooms as an African centered therapist, I am chilling with my homie, Raheem Shabazz, on a necessary blackness podcast it's essential yo that's what i'm talking about man you'll hear it here first (laughs) now our feature presentation all right we are back from our quick commercial break and for those that are joining us at necessary blackness podcast we are speaking with the aunt of elijah nichols and we have her on the line right now i am sorry ma'am i did not have you introduced yourself and your name? Can you please let everybody know your name? Yes, sir. My name is Kendra Nichols, and as he stated, I'm Elijah Nichols' aunt. All right. Now, before we went to our break, um, I want you to finish your statement you were saying. 
All right. Here the way the court systems work definitely in Virginia. And when it comes to rapper, like, um, whether you're guilty or you're not guilty, sometimes when the sentences, when they're throwing at you 18 years old, they're throwing at you saying that you could be looking at life for all these charges, whether you know you're not guilty, sometimes you do plead guilty to take the lesser charge. And that's how they kind of trick you up with the system. And the way that it is here, like, I mean, I might be getting ahead of myself, Mm -hmm. but just looking at how this same judge sentenced two other individuals at the same school with harsher crimes, and they their sentences were basically zero. Right. Like it's this um it's this one student who killed another student during a hazing, and the judge gave him two months. Two months. Two months. And it would be safe to assume that these individuals was uh, Caucasian, correct? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You know, one thing that I often find sometimes in courts, and you can tell me if you feel similar, it seems like they're able to frame um, the what they feel happened in a situation and then based on that, making a, de- a determination, because it seems like when I was reading through some of the information, the way that the other students framed the story, it just made it seem like Elijah was, you know, crazy. And he just, you know, because he was asked to leave, he just attacked everyone. So that's one side. Go ahead. Exactly. And that's why, you know, we couldn't say too much because I've been wanting to put Elijah's story out. We've been knowing what happened. So all this time we've been having to sit still until the sentencing because we didn't want to do anything to jeopardize Elijah's case or anything like mm-hmm. that. So once he was actually sentenced, we were able to speak. And that's the sad part about it, you know. Um, and then even still, if roles were reversed and like how some, like with Elijah, he had the opportunity to go to different colleges. He didn't have to go there. But being that he's a black man and he has a black son, he wanted to go somewhere to where he's able to still raise his son and still go to school. So he wanted to go somewhere that's closer to home. Rafford is less than an hour away from us, and Elijah was coming home every weekend so that he could be with his son. If he went to Norfolk State or if he went to, you know, anywhere else, that's five hours from us, and he wouldn't have that relationship with his son. So that's the reason why he chose to go to that school. But if it was a white guy who defended himself against three black guys, it would have been justified no matter what. He would have been looked at as a hero, and they would have been considered thugs. Now, let me ask you another question, because I know um, a little more than um, what other people may know, because me and you have talked. Now, this judge, he has a history. You just explained that he allowed someone to get two months that was involved in a murder, a killing for hazing. Um, There's also another case where he allowed leniency. And this other individual was of Caucasian descent. Would you mind telling everybody what that case was? Yes. And this was just last year. It was another student. He got caught with $35,000, multiple pounds of weed, and a 9-millimeter handgun. He was selling drugs on campus, the same university, the same judge. The judge giving him um, time served off of a year. Now, you know you can't have drugs and guns. Together, and you can't have drugs or a gun on campus. 
Mm-hmm. Now, with him, the judge apologized to his family for what their son did. And the judge told the student that he feels that he's special and he hoped that he could move forward. This wasn't his first offense. And then he gave him five years of probation. Wow. That's and then crazy. I was looking in the paper. Then it was an article today with a different judge. But um, this area is probably about 20 minutes away from where I am. It was a guy who stabbed his best friend last year. And the judge gave him 200 hours of community service. So you're still so working with the attorney from the, the original case? You're still working with that attorney? No, we're in the process of getting another attorney Okay. to work his appeal. Yes. Right. Okay. Hmm. Well, man, this is a, an incredible story. I just, I'm really um, more so understanding more so about the uh, judicial system because it really bothers me that he was not able to tell his side of the story. How can you make a judgment when you're only hearing one side? Uh, that just doesn't seem exactly. proper. The same as the judge when, you know, Elijah, he was up there pleading for his life. And this hurts my feeling. Like, I'm just not able to look at pictures of Elijah. I haven't been able to look at pictures of him. His mom is still dealing with it. My parents and everything. This is taking a toll on our entire family. You know, we're close-knit. Went to the church and everything. And this is not Elijah. And that's how we know, you know, that something had to occur. It doesn't even sound right for somebody just going and just stabbing people or anything like that, you know. And as far as with this, you know, them boys, they didn't have to go through therapy. Yeah, we sympathize with them. But, you know, they didn't die. Their injuries weren't life-threatening or anything and stuff like that. And then you have Elijah, before the judge pleading for his life, you have Elijah's mother, my father. Then you have a doctor of theology. You have a police officer who is a formal Carolina Panther. All while each and every last one of them are speaking to the judge, are in tears. The officer cried. Everyone's crying. Even the court clerk was crying. They had to remove her out the courtroom and replace her because she kept crying. And then the judge, when he got his eyes closed and nodding off the entire time while they're speaking, wow. the, that judge, he didn't take recess or anything. He thanked when from the high school that Elijah went to and said that his wife used to be a teacher there. He said, 45 years, I'm making an example out of you. Mm-hmm. He didn't take that one recess, not mad break, none. Before that judge's feet even hit that ground that morning, he already knew which sense he was going to oppose. Right. And then we thought about a 45. Donald Trump is a 45 because we looked at this judge, and he's been um, helping with fundraisers um, for the presidential campaigns for Republican and all that stuff. So 45 makes sense to us. Mm. 45 because you know while you were talking and just hearing the story it makes me think about how a lot of people are saying a lot of judges they fulfilled this contract um, that many seem to believe that young black men are used in order you know for these private prisons to get bodies in the cells and of course it's going to be people who look like you and I and I, I, I know I heard what you said about you know your family and that you're devastated over this I want to know how is he holding up how is Elijah and if you could you know we have to go to a quick break but if you could just let me know how is he doing right now he has his moments Elijah's having a hard time he's trying to adjust and saying that he's okay he's trying to be strong for us but we're trying to be strong for him but he has moments to the point where he won't call us or anything 
And then we had talked to him. He's crying on the phone. And you know, in jail, you can't cry. Yeah. And then we visit him. He's crying and stuff. You know, and it breaks my heart. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to a quick, uh, another quick break. Um, if you could, play, please stay with us like a little while longer. We're not done yeah. um, speaking with you. We want to hear more of your story. And we'll be right back after this quick message. Yes, ma'am. I'll be here. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and product across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. All right, this is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I am your host, Raheem Shabazz, and I am sitting here with my lovely co-host, Marcy Lee, and we still on the phone with our call-in guest, Kendrell Nichols, and she is the aunt of Elijah Nichols. And for those that are just joining us, he is the young man that was 18 years old and received a 45-year sentence for defending himself. And for those that don't understand what defending yourself means, it means standing your ground when you have a legal right to protect protect yourself. So we are talking to his aunt right now live on the phone and I wanted to ask you a question because I know we talked about what led up to the event the conviction the temperament of the judge this is going to be viewed and broadcast to a lot of people as you see on on my social media almost 30,000 people viewed it it was shared by thousands of people what can we do? I know you have the uh, petition going on, but what is it that we can do to help? And what is the ultimate outcome? Because we know that he already pleaded guilty, but there's more that can be done to help this brother. And we want to make sure that the Necessary Blackness podcast family can do all we have and all within our power to help. Uh, well, currently we have his petition going. And we also have a separate, um, a separate campaign, which is the GoFundMe for Elijah as well. Um, if anyone is willing to write letters to Governor Northam, we already see what's going on with him. You know, if he wants to continue to having the support of the people of color, he can start by helping Elijah, not only helping Elijah, but a lot of these people who are of color who are going through having these harsh sentences for such minor crimes or having harsh sentences for when they needed to defend themselves. Do you have information on where people can um, be a part of the petition or what's the um, GoFundMe address? Yes, ma'am. I can get it right now for you. Okay. And while she's searching for that, I want to let everybody know the governor of Virginia that she mentioned, Northern, is the same governor that was in blackface, and he is one now saying that he is an advocate for um, black and brown people. So this will be his time to show that he stands on the right side of history because here it is, a young man that is facing 45 years in jail. Now, I also want to be quick to point out he has a 45-year suspended sentence. 
meaning that he will do 10 years in jail and the rest will be suspended. However, if he get into any trouble, whether it's a misdemeanor or felony charge, he can go back to jail for up to 45 years. So essentially, he has 45 years to do. Because anytime you under the jurisdiction, probation, or anything like that, it's equivalent to being in jail. So do you have that um, address for us where they can go with the petition? Yes, sir. Hey, the petition is www.change.org forward slash P as in Paul forward slash Ralph mm-hmm. minus the minus sign S as a Sam minus sign Northern, which is N O R. T-H-A-M, the minus sign, justice, the minus sign, for, F-O-R, the minus sign, Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H, the minus sign, Nichols, and that's for his petition. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that I post that on, um, my various social media accounts, and Marcy Lee is going to do the same. So if you couldn't get that, we'll be able to see it on our social media accounts. Say yeah, oh, I was going to ask her for the GoFundMe as well. Okay. But you know what? And if I'll, you could it, send it to us, we can just, um, you know, put that on the social media as well. But you can go ahead. Okay. And I'll just send it to you. I just wanted to thank you so much for um, allowing us to you know, hear your story, the story of your nephew. And, you know, I know this is a difficult time for you all. So I know it takes a lot for you to, you know, even do this probably without breaking down. Um, so I'm sure our listeners are going to be, you know, happy to hear about the story just as far as to be knowledgeable and, you know, just hear what's going on. So thank you for that again. And I thank y'all for giving me the opportunity to be able to speak on Elijah's behalf. This is the first time that We've been actually able to speak out. Everything else has been posted. So this is the first time that we've actually been able to verbalize Elijah's story. Really? No local news or anyone has no. picked up the story? That's, that's um, ridiculous. Like our, our local news has posted, but no one has came to us after the fact. You know, nothing. Nothing at all. So this is the first and only interview of anything in regards to Elijah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Wow. Are you able to spend time with his son um, more now, you know, with everything that's going on? Like, how is, how is his son? What is his son's name? His name is Messiah. Oh, Messiah. So, I just actually, I picked him up earlier and took them to Elijah's mother because they got on the road to go see Elijah today. Um, oh, really? We go see Elijah twice a week and we carry his son for each visit. Um, you're only he's only able to have visits twice a week. It's almost an hour away, and you're looking at a TV screen for forty minutes. A TV screen. Yes. So you're not even face to face with him. You're at a TV screen. Wow! Really? Oh goodness. Yes. Yes, that's how it is. We could say one good thing about the judge. He allowed you know my dad ask permission. Hence, permission mm-hmm. to um, be able to give Elijah a kiss during the sentencing, and my and he allowed my dad to do that. 
and probably because he knew the sentence that he was getting ready to oppose. Oh, wow. Heartless. Very, okay. very heartless. Okay. Well, if you can go ahead and provide us with the GoFundMe or any, you know, social media information you want to share with us, you can go ahead and do so. Yes. And on my page, I have, my name is Kendra Nichols. It's K-I-N-D-R-A Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S. It's the same for Facebook and also the same for Instagram. Um, on there, you'll see a picture, which is an all-black background, and it says Justice for Elijah Nichols. And he also has a like page on Facebook that's called Justice for Elijah Nichols. Okay, I want to ask you one more thing, right? Because I know noticed that you said that we are the first ones that picked up the story, picked up on the story. And when I was going online and I was looking to do some research and some background information on the story, I only seen really two articles besides what's on social media and the conversation that me and you had. I and I know this is a small town. But in your humble opinion, why a case such as this haven't got national attention? You know, and I believe the reason being is same reason why there's no video footage of what happened. Let, let it have been a regular fight in the street or just anything or a rose will reverse. The, the way the day and age is, people have cell phones while there's nothing recorded. Right. Mm-hmm. People are quick to pull out you know, their phone. Mm-hmm. People, people are quick to pull out phones with the phones, you know, and it could be footage that they have and the school could have confiscated it or anything because it would have been used against those students. It would not have benefited them. Mm. So there's not a single piece of footage out here of, of that. Seems like in certain instances, they like to keep things on the hush. Right. Yeah. To protect their image, probably. Probably yeah. to protect and their image. To protect the school. Right. To protect the school because these parents probably would have yanked their kids out. Now, I know this was a frat party, right? Was there, and, and I'm assuming that it was predominantly um, Caucasians. Was there any other African-American uh, male or female present at this party besides Elijah? Yes, yeah, so even Elijah's friend who was African-American that was there. Um, she's a female, and she was one of um, one of the witnesses for Elijah. She was a strong witness. And when she spoke to his attorney and everything, the detective went around campus with her picture asking other students if they knew who she was. So she was being looked at as a snitch. So she had to back out. Oh, so they oh, were trying so they to... was tainting the investigation and intimidating the witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And I even have that mentioned in his petition. Mm. So it's a lot of things, you know, that was sneakily done and underhanded. So they already knew what they wanted to do. One more question before I let you go. What was the school's response in in, in this overall? You know, um, did they come out and say it was a tragic uh, incident and that Elijah was a good student? What what was their overall stance on everything? The school has, we haven't talked to the school to this day. My sister, she talked to one of his teachers, and his teacher was saying how she felt that Elijah was a good student and that he'd been studying all day that day before for that test the next day. 
the school never reached out to even let us know what happened or anything like that. The way that we signed up was on the news, and it had one of our relatives called us and told us to look at the news. So we still haven't heard from the school, and it's almost two years ago. Wow. Do you got any more last closing questions? No, like I said, you know, I'm so sorry that your family is going through this tragedy. And, uh, you know, I just hope that he's able to, you know, keep his wits about himself and uh, get through this um, next um, court hearing. And um, I wish you all, you know, the best of luck uh, (laughs) with this. And I just want to remind everybody to look out for that petition to check out the GoFundMe and write the letters if you are able to, to the governor Northam. And once again, um, Kendall, I I want to just assure you that we're going to do everything that we can and everything within our power to make this story go national. And if there's anything that we can do, you have my personal information. You know how to contact me and Marcy Lee. By any means, please get in contact with us. And we're going to do what we can because this is an injustice from a young man that had a promising career. He also is a father and he has a son and his son is named Messiah. So he got big dreams and aspirations. He's not no thug. He was in college. He was doing everything that society says you should do to succeed as a black man. So we need to get behind him. And even if he was a thug, he still has a, a right to protect himself and to stand his ground. So I know, Absolutely. you know, we people try to say, try to find out, you know, negative things about people um, to try to discount their story. But everyone deserves to protect themselves. So you want to say anything in your last closing words? Yes, I just want to thank everyone for giving me the opportunity to speak and to share Elijah's story. Y'all just don't know the support. It means so much to us. The support is what keeps us going. So thank you so much. Thank you, Queen. And thank you. All right. Peace and Black Power family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz. And I am sitting here with my co-host, Marcy Lee. And we just finished wrapping up an interview. And we're going to go to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk Black. So we want y'all to talk black to us. Peace and power, black family. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Necessary Blackness Podcast is independently owned, and we do not accept sponsorship dollars from corporations. We are supported by the people such as yourself, who know that in war, the first casualty is the truth. We are at war with racism and white supremacy. We must continue to tell the truth. Support us by purchasing your Necessary Blackness t-shirt by sending an email to necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com.